0: Good morning, and welcome to New York Sports and Beyond on 98.7 ESPN, where our goal every Sunday is to entertain, enlighten, and expose you to information that could lead to positive change in your life. I'm Larry Hardesty. We've got several guests for you this morning in the leadoff spot. My buddy, Jim Johnson, Executive Director of Companions for Courage, will update you on the tremendous work that organization is doing with our young people and how you can help with a virtual event being held this week. Later, we'll chat with Kendall McIntosh. He's goalkeeper for the New York Red Bulls. He'll chat about an event that was held at Westside High School in Newark, New Jersey last Monday, honoring MLS players, coaches and staff working to bring people together as members of the Black Players for Change. So whether you're about to hit the road for an early run... Remember your mask and social distancing. Maybe you're preparing for sunrise service or just relaxing on the Sunday. We thank you for joining us and make sure you have a pencil, pen and paper to jot down a few notes or phone numbers. We'll begin this edition of New York Sports and Beyond after this timeout right here on 987 ESPN. Welcome back to New York Sports and Beyond on 98.7 ESPN. I'm Larry Hardesty. Jim Johnson was an executive involved in sales and marketing for the New York Islanders from 1982 through 1985, where he initiated a host of successful ticket and promotional concepts. He went on to manage the largest authorized technology training organization in North America, which is WestCon Services, and served on the advisory councils at Microsoft, Novell, and IBM. He was also an industry leader in the delivery of instructor-led training via satellite and streaming videos. So he brought that talent and served on the CIC, that's Companions in Courage Foundation's Board of Directors, for three years before joining as an executive director in 2003. He also holds a degree in journalism. Unbelievable. And he's a member of a group that I work with, Athletes Helping Athletes. Join me in welcoming my guy, Jim Johnson, to New York Sports and Beyond. Hey, Jim. Good morning, Larry. How are you? I'm doing great, my friend. How's things? Everything is good. We're rolling
1: along here with
0: the foundation,
1: helping sick kids in the hospital and trying to stay out of the hospital ourselves.
0: Yeah, you know what? Before we talk about this event that you've got coming up uh, this Thursday, uh, let's review the audience in case they missed our first chat a couple of months ago. Let's review exactly what is Companions Encourage.
1: Well, Companions Encourage is a organization that was founded by Hall of Fame hockey player Pat Lafontaine. Uh, everybody in New York knows him. He played for the Rangers, the Islanders, the Sabres, and uh, one of the top 100 players of all time uh, voted uh, in 2017. And uh, what he did was he decided to use his celebrity to benefit those in need, and it so happened that he chose to help sick kids in the hospital. Uh, Companions of Courage Foundation has built 20 interactive rooms in children's hospitals across North America. We've donated with Microsoft over 400 mobile Xbox kiosks for those kids that were too sick to get out of bed. They can connect with kids in other hospitals and play video games. And our big campaign now, because of COVID and so many restrictions on parental visits to the hospital, we're in the process of getting uh, Chromebooks and tablets donated so that we can provide them to the hospitals so the kids who are sick can stay connected to their family, friends, and get their homework assignments.
0: You know, Jim, that's great. And that's what I did want to really talk about was the adjustments that the organization had to make with this COVID-19 aside from financial which we'll talk about in a second, and that ties into the event that you've got Thursday. But let's talk about the reality of this, as you mentioned, limited access now to kids because of the COVID-19 pandemic of their parents and friends. Uh, Take me through how that discussion came about making sure that we're able to do, you guys were able to do what you could do to, to alleviate that.
1: Well, I mean, right away, you know, back in March, when everything started to come apart, we reached out to our contacts. We we primarily deal with the child life directors at each of these children's hospitals. And we reached out to about, I don't know, 150 of them. And the overwhelming feedback was this. Um, COVID, everybody's thinking of COVID as being, you know, an old person's problem. You know, all the people that died in nursing homes and assisted living and all of those factors, and, and they were horrific. And, you know, glad to see that hopefully we're coming out of that right now. But it had a devastating impact on pediatric patients because consider that you had a child who was sick and in a hospital, and because of COVID restrictions, no parents or anybody in the family, for that matter, were able to to go and visit their children. So what has happened is, all of these hospitals came back to us and said, can you help us find a path to, you know, connect our patients to their family? So we put in a call to some of our technology partners and coincidentally, they were at a point where they were trying to figure out how they could help by providing some hardware. And what happens is with many of these hospitals and with many of the the technology centers, They don't connect to each other you know they don't they don't necessarily deal day to day whereas that's where companions encourage foundation comes in we do that so what we did was we uh, married up children's hospitals with the technology so google sent us a whole bunch of uh, chromebooks we packaged them up provisioned them got licensed all the rest of the stuff that you need and immediately started sending them out to the hospitals and we you know reached out to you know 20 of the biggest hospitals children's hospitals in the country and the the feedback that we have gotten is just you know really makes your heart feel good Larry because you know they're coming back to us and saying you, you don't know what this meant at a time when we were losing our staff left and right because either they had been exposed to the virus or they had to be quarantined for 14 days. We needed this resource and they still do. So that's why you know we're, we've been pleased to be able to be nimble enough to help. What we've also done is what good is the tablet if you don't have content? So what we've been able to do is to reach out to some of our celebrity friends and have them create just uplifting short videos that the kids can go online on their new tablets and get inspired by. And we also have some content that we have recorded with some other partners of ours that brought in NASA engineers and astronauts and a live uh, webcast to the International Space Station and things like that. And, And it's been very, very motivational for the kids. It gives them something to do while they're otherwise stuck in a hospital.
0: That's the voice of Jim Johnson. He's the executive director of Companions in Courage. You're listening to New York Sports and Beyond here on 9870 ESPN. I'm Larry Hardesty. You know, when we read your bio earlier, Jim, we talked about how you've been, when you were with the Islanders, how you were so successful in, you know, different initiatives. And I see that you brought that talent with you to Companions in <laughs> Courage. And, and let's face it, Jim, it's about relationships to, to make things happen. And what it speaks to is, what great work Pat LaFontaine and you and the rest of your staff has done because at a time when everybody is pulling a different organization's gym to help in this pandemic, people have no question. There's no doubt that they can help you. And the fact that they're helping kids makes it that much easier, right? Well, there's no doubt about it. And I, I was of a mindset when all of this
1: started to hit the fan was that there were a lot of really generous people who are sitting on the sidelines waiting for somebody to take the initiative. And whether that was, you know, providing uh, shields and masks for healthcare workers in the hospitals on the front lines, or whether it was providing connection for pediatric patients, I think people just needed to, you know, have somebody say, we're going to do this, jump on behind us. And that's what Pat LaFontaine, you know, he was the captain of the teams he played on, and he's really good at that. You know, he's really good at pulling the team together, saying, "We're going to go in this direction. Follow me." And he made it happen. So, you know, we, you know, coincidentally, one of the first things that we did do, which is, you know, kind of not in our direct mission, but a friend of ours from one of the healthcare centers came to us and said, "We've got a need for a hundred shields. Our, mm-hmm. our nurses and our doctors." are exposed right now, and they are going through, you know, a a traumatic experience for them. So we reached out to some friends of ours who we know in, you know, they're in the manufacturing business, and we asked, could we purchase 100 shields? And they said, yeah, you know, sure, we can do that. We're just retrofitting our factories right now. We're going to build, we're going to start making shields. And we put it out on our social media network that we were looking for you know modest donations to try to help people get shields for the healthcare workers and within forty eight hours we had enough money raised we, we donated one thousand shields to local mm-hmm. hospitals That's because great. people were so generous and and I, I believe in in you know the human spirit and I believe that there's a lot of really, really good people out there who want to help. They just don't know how. And if you can go to them and give them a really compelling reason to help, I think they'll jump in with both feet. And we've, we've seen that throughout this really tough time. The last six or seven months have been very difficult. But the generosity of people is the thing that just you know, really fills your heart that, that there's so many caring people out there.
0: Jim, let's take a step back and we talk about what Companions in Courage does for kids. If there's a parent right now who's listening whose child is ill, can you just take us through what exactly you guys do and how maybe there's somebody in the audience that may need your help?
1: Yeah, no, that's a that's great question, Larry. Thanks for that. We're uh, we working. I mean, people that are listening to this, um, we're very, very involved, obviously, with most pediatric units and children's hospitals within the, the New York, New Jersey, Connecticut metropolitan area. And and the way that we can help is if you have a patient who is in an area hospital and they don't have resources, whether they be technology or um, they're, they're looking for content. Uh, sometimes the, the healthcare care people at these hospitals are just overwhelmed with the day-to-day Caring for the patients, and they're not as focused on things like you know uh, videos that are available and inspirational talks that are available to the kids, and they can get in touch with our foundation, and we'll put them in touch with the right people to get it done. Our foundation is at cic16.org. That's cic for Companions in Courage, 16 being Pat Lafontaine's number as a player dot org so cic16 org go on there you'll see what we do and if there's anything that we can do to help a kid that was that's always been one of Pat his big mission if we can help a kid it's our duty to do that so we'll try to help you in any way we can to make the experience of being in a hospital which is traumatic for for so many to make it a little easier we've got a we've got a great program that's coming up Uh, in the first week in December that I look forward to every year. It's called a Santa Connection. Mm. And what we do is we have uh, Santa Claus from the North Pole come and do personal visits for all those kids who are too sick to get out to a shopping mall, which nobody can get to probably this year anyway. So we're doing that. Uh, We've already signed up uh, a dozen hospitals. Uh, It's over two days that we're going to be doing it. Our Santa Claus is you know, busily working up in the North pole right now, getting ready for, for Christmas. And so he's, he's going to carve out two days where he can spend time talking to the kids. And if you're not in the holiday spirit before you start seeing some of these kids share their hopes and wishes with Santa Claus, you certainly are by the time we're done.
0: Jim, when we last chatted, you had given us examples of so many great things. And the biggest thing that, and you've highlighted some here today, but the biggest thing and the biggest smile I could see on your face, even though we're on the phone, was the reaction of the kids. You mentioned the reaction to Santa Claus. You're talking about the reaction of the kids who now have, and what's probably going to be, Jim, and we work with teenagers as well, with athletes helping athletes, so we know yep. this is such a technological age for our young people. They are drawn to you know, the internet. They're drawn to anything that, that has that has technological you know, influence to it. So to see their responses when you give them these Chromebooks that have all this content and it's a different way for them to learn. What, what's that experience been like for you? Well, it's, it's
1: so rewarding. I mean, again, friendships and relationships. A friend of mine runs the Heisman Trophy Trust. Mm. And for the last decade, we have been fortunate enough to partner with the Heisman Trophy Trust and bring the Heisman Trophy winner to, uh, an area hospital the day after he gets he awarded the trophy. And what we then do is then we connect to the patients in other hospitals across North America, and they get a chance to talk to whoever it is. It's Kyla Murray or if it's Sam Bradford or if it's, uh, you know, whomever is the winner. You know, uh, this year we we had, a, a you know, just another great visit again. Now, Coming up in December, I don't know what's going to happen with the Heisman Trophy winner. We're probably not going to be able to get into a hospital, but our plan is to still do it virtually. And to your point, kids today, you know, who, who, who thought even two years ago what a Zoom was, right? You know, <laughs> you really? a, a Zoom was what happened when you went to the airport and you watched the plane take off. Now, everybody, it's so intuitive and that goes for Google Hangouts and Google Meetings and, uh, you know, uh, FaceTime and all Skype. All of the technology is is on their phones now. And if it's not on their phones because they, they don't have that resource, that's where we come in and we provide them with a tablet, the, the opportunity to do that. And just that little incentive helps kids get better. We, we have had some amazing stories, Larry. We, we started a pilot program with 3D printers at Cohen Children's Hospital in New Hyde Park. And we just thought it would be a cool technology to introduce into our alliance and game rooms. You know, let kids design and create, create uh, little trinkets that they could keep at their bedside. Well, the feedback that we got from the hospital was something that they didn't even expect, the healthcare professionals. And it turned out that the 3D printer experience was really impactful for children with eating disorders. Now, how do you make that connection from eating disorders to 3D printing? I don't know. But they came back and they said, part of the issue with eating disorders is that children feel they don't have control over anything in their life. And therefore they have these eating problems. They said the 3D printer allowed for kids to you know, create and design an item, watch it being built, and now they can hold it in their hand. And they said it's had an amazing impact on patients that have eating disorders. So we're rolling it out. We're actually, I just uh, got off the phone. We're sending up uh, two printers to Oshai Children's Hospital up in Buffalo, and they're going to continue this pilot program. So, You know, when we first opened up our first Lion's Den room, they were designed by Edwin Schlossberg, ESI Design in New York, and and they're a great firm. They've done everything from uh, Liberty Island to children's museums to stuff at the Vatican. And Edwin Schlossberg told us 15 years ago, he said, the only limitation you'll have on these rooms is technology. He said, as long as you keep upgrading the technology in these rooms, they'll stay relevant forever. Mm. And boy was he ever prophetic because that's what we've done. And and the reaction from the children and the healthcare professionals has been so overwhelming and it's very very gratifying and to think it was a hockey player, you know? Mm. I can't tell you the number of times that healthcare professionals have come to us and said, "This is a great idea, but why did take a hockey player to come up with this?" And it's the kind of compassion and the kind of leadership that we hope that all athletes are in their communities to give back and to be motivated to make a difference in the world. And, you know, obviously, I'm the luckiest guy on the planet. I get to work with some of the greatest people, helping some of the greatest kids. So that's that's pretty lucky for me.
0: There's no question about it. You do a great job, Jim. Jim Johnson is my guest. Next on New York Sports and Beyond, we'll explore... How Poker Can Help Kids, next on New York Sports and Beyond on 98.7 ESPN. Welcome back to New York Sports and Beyond on 98.7 ESPN. Let's conclude my discussion with Jim Johnson, Executive Director of Companions in Courage. Jim, you've got a big event coming up this Thursday at 7 p.m. Tell me about it.
1: Well, you know, (laughs) again, having to be a little bit resourceful and nimble, uh, we had all of our live events canceled this year, as most. Charities did, you know, we had a a running race that we normally do with 600 or so people. It's a one mile run. We had to cancel that and go virtual. We did a one month virtual run and we did really well with that. We haven't been able to do wine pairing dinners or any kind of event that brings us together. We had to cancel our golf outing, which was supposed to be held last week. And so we decided, why don't we try to do something really safe and fun and host a Texas Hold'em online poker tournament? Mm -hmm. And so what we've done is we've partnered with uh, just a great organization. It's called PokerForLife.org. And they have uh, worked with uh, Nick Bonacani's uh, organization Mm -hmm. uh, for for spine treatment. And uh, they've been doing this for about a dozen years with them. And we decided, you know, we're going to try it. So what we've done is we're going to have this event. It's this Thursday night, uh, beginning at 7 p.m. If people are interested, they can go to our website and go to the event. So it's CIC16.org slash events, and they'll see this uh, event listed there. They can just follow the, you know, the prompts and, and go on and register. Uh, what we're doing is we, we we hope to have about 80 or 100 people participating Uh, First place is going to be the winner's choice, either $5,000 towards poker tournaments, either online or in casinos, or one of three trips. We've got a Barbados private villa, a Sonoma Mm. County for four nights for six people, a Caribbean villa for seven nights for six people, and then we have a ton of other prizes, and we have a raffle for a 50-inch television, etc., But the thing that's cool about this is when you have somebody of Pat LaFontaine's stature, you get some of his celebrity friends to participate. So among those that are going to participate are Wally Zerbiak, uh, the MSG broadcaster from basketball, Mm -hmm. uh, Islander legends, Clark Gillies and Bobby Nystrom. Uh, We're we're working with a couple of other people, a couple of other surprises that I can't announce yet, but I'm really excited to have them come on. We have Michael Rosenbaum who played Lex Luthor in Smallville is going to join us. Wow. Okay. It's going to be just fun. And we, we hope people come be safe, have a lot of laughs, play some cards. You don't even have to be a good card player. Just come and have fun. Uh, And, and, you know, maybe win something, maybe win a raffle item and just understand that you're helping sick kids in the hospital. You know, we all of, all of charities that I know of are all in the same boat right now. We all are still scrambling to do good things, and awareness is part of it, but you also need to raise money. So we're hoping to take all the proceeds from this, put it towards gift cards for that Santa Claus connection, and also to purchase more tablets that we can send out to the hospitals because the minute we exhausted our first supply, we got inundated with more requests from hospitals. So we're hopeful that people support it. We're hopeful that people come. It'd be cool just to go, you know, you saw the story last week about Bobby Nystrom being reunited with his stick that he scored yeah, the, the yeah. Islanders for Stanley Cup goal 40 years ago. And he's he's looking forward to sharing that story with people. And, you know, it's it, it's really designed to be safe, fun, and really important for the kids that are going to benefit from it.
0: There's no doubt about it. And and Jim, having been a uh, celebrity dealer uh, many years ago in an event similar to what you guys are doing at Mickey Mantles, there's a lot of fun. Okay, it's a lot of fun. You, you get to interact. And look, it, there's so many fans of, of, of athletes that you want to have conversations with. You reach out. You can't talk to them. And you nah. get in the scenario now where, you know, there's no fans in the stand. So you're not going to be able to talk to him there <laughs> at this point. You know, nope. so here's an opportunity where you can have some conversation, have some fun. But the most important part and fun's important right now. Come on. You, we need to have some fun, too, Jim. Oh, but the yeah. most important part really is the fact that you're helping kids and you're helping kids get well. And and so oftentimes I've spoke to a number of doctors and physicians on this show in the time that I had the pleasure to do it and throughout my career in broadcasting and so much of healing, Jim, is as much mental as it is physical. If you put that patient in a positive frame of mind, it helps them get better faster. There's no question about it. You you, you took the words out of my mouth,
1: Larry. I mean, if you talk to almost every health professional, they'll tell you that it, 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 there's no doubt that they'll know on the day one that a child comes in, how quickly that child's going to be released because they know based on their mental frame you know whether they're going to get well faster or take longer time and you know that's our goal our our goal is to put resources in the hands of the health professionals whether it be a tablet whether it be an xbox game whether it be you know big screen tv with great content so that they can help motivate those kids to get out quicker and and that's what we all want. And especially in these days, the last place you want to be is in a hospital. Yeah. You know, who, who knows what's walking through the door every day. And you want to make sure if you can get your child home into the safety and, and shelter of your own home, my goodness, isn't that what we all want for kids? And this, this allows for, you know, this organization companions encourage foundation just allows for hospitals to not have to worry about this resource. You know, what we do for hospitals, they would never do for themselves. Most children's hospitals are not-for-profit hospitals, okay, which means that, you know, they're totally reliant on donations and everything else. So that's why when we come in and Pat LaFontaine comes in and says, hey, we want to help you, they embrace it with open arms because they need it and it makes a difference in the lives of them and their patients. So, and 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 setting that frame of mind, I can't emphasize that enough. You're you're spot on with that observation.
0: Jim, give us the information once again, the website and how we can join this big poker tournament that you guys have got going on Thursday night. Well, don't don't forget that you got to come out and join us and have fun and laugh first and then
1: realize that it's not just fun and games, we're helping sick kids in a hospital. So please visit our website. It's CIC16.org. So it's C, the letter I, the letter C, 16.org, and go to events and click on it. You'll see all of the links that get you into register for this event. We sure hope to see everybody on there. I can guarantee you, you will laugh and you will you will have a lot of fun and you'll learn a little bit about how you can make a difference in the world just by participating in an event like this. And and we certainly appreciate everybody taking the time to come out and, and be a part of it.
0: And also you get a chance to get pictures and all the things that this organization has done over their long history and what they hope to continue to do. And listen, uh, best of luck with you and the and the, and the folk, Pat LaFontaine and the rest of the great work that you guys are doing Your Companions encourage. Courage. Uh, if we don't talk again, have a great holiday season and we'll chat in the new year, my friend.
1: Uh, I appreciate that, Larry. Thank you so much.
0: Once again, Jim, thanks. When we return, Kendall McIntosh, goalkeeper for the New York Red Bulls, will join us right here on 98.7 ESPN. Thanks for listening to New York Sports and Beyond here on 98.7 ESPN. I'm Larry Hardesty. My next guest spent time as the Portland Timbers backup and Portland Timbers 2 starter. Kendall McIntosh made his Timbers debut against San Jose at the U.S. Open Cup June 6th of 2018. He appeared in the U.S. Under-20 Men's National Team at the Northern Island Milk Cup and was part of the Under-14 National Development Program and the Under-15 Boys National Team. He played at Santa Clara University from 2012 to 2015 and helped guide the Broncos to a West Coast Conference Championship during his senior season. He was selected as the 13th pick in the 2019 MLS re-entry draft. His contract option was triggered by being selected in stage one of the reentry draft would put him on the New York Red Bulls 2020 roster. So we welcome Kendall McIntosh to New York Sports and Beyond. Kendall, thanks for joining us this morning. Hey, how's it going? It's going great, my friend. Thanks for joining me this morning. Uh, let's talk a little bit about an event that you were a part of, the mini pitch honoring Black Players for Change at Westside High School in Newark earlier in the week. Tell me about that.
2: Yeah, it was uh, it was an amazing event. It was um, so Red Bull partnered with Adidas. We partnered with Black Players for Change, and we had a lot of um, local organizations kind of pitch in to create these two uh, mini-pitches for uh, this community, this black and brown community, where it, it really gives them access and opportunity to to play and just get them active, get them playing, and it allows the uh, opportunity, not only from a soccer standpoint to grow, but from a human being and individual standpoint, to learn things like resilience, to learn things like teamwork, learn things like perseverance, because not only is it just for them to kind of kick around whenever they want but we're also going to have uh, structured structured programs for them uh to get on the field and it's just it's an op- awesome opportunity for us as Red Bull and us as black players to to create access and open doors for black and brown people in our community
0: Kendall for my friends who are not familiar with soccer explain a mini pitch to them
2: Okay, a mini pitch is a smaller version of a full size soccer field. Mm-hmm. So a full size soccer field is roughly like 55 to 70 yards wide and 120 yards long. And a mini pitch is a much more condensed version of that. Imagine like a like street basketball where you're on pavement and the field, the court, might be a bit smaller it's it's the same concept so it's a uh, kind of pavement next pavement and then um the goals are kind of this cool cage uh mm-hmm. material and it's about um i want to say 50 by maybe 25 um, um and there's two of them side by side it it looks amazing
0: now, what was the response from from the community that when you guys uh, were able to unveil this mini-pitch uh, during the week in, in Newark? And do you see the a groundswell of maybe, you know, some, some more young people getting involved with MLS and maybe being a pros like you are?
2: Um, well, the reception from, from the community was amazing. Um, and they were so grateful. And it was awesome to see how much it meant to them, but it was also awesome for us as players to have the opportunity to give back, right? And have the opportunity to uplift um, people of color. And so that, in and of itself, was was more than worth it. But then, in terms of some of these players maybe staying in, in the soccer system longer, um, yeah, I mean, there were kids there that, that obviously hadn't had the opportunity to speak with uh, professional athletes, and I think that that was a special moment for them. And I think that for a lot of them, they got to really see themselves and see uh, role models in in some of us. And I think that that goes a really, really, really long way because when I was growing up, um, I was I was fortunate enough to have a black goalkeeper coach, and I was fortunate enough to grow up at a time where Dida, who's a Brazilian goalkeeper, um, was doing things and he was playing in World Cups and he was like the one of the preeminent goalkeepers of the time. So I was fortunate enough to have um those guys but I didn't have anybody in my community that I could look at and say, Oh, this guy across the street is playing professionally and he's showing up and he's he's um involved in maybe not my day to day but like he's a tangible thing you can reach out and see and touch. And I think that that's an amazing thing for them, and that's a really cool um, part of this initiative.
0: Kendall, you're so right. It's not only to to reach out and touch and talk to and speak with a person who is maybe in the sport that you love, but to have that person look like you, there's even a closer identity. And it really says, you know what? You know what my parents say. If I work hard and do what I need to do in school and go out on on and, and play my sports, you know what? After talking to Kendall and the people around him, maybe I can be a, a player in the MLS or do whatever I'm. I, I can. My goals are to to keep to be successful in life.
2: Right, and I think that that's just having that role model, having that that person that you can kind of stylistically see yourself in. Right, is is really important for, I mean, not only these kids, but like all, all young, Mm -hmm. young children, um, for like Black Panther. When I saw Black Panther, like (laughs) as an adult, I cried, Uh right? Because that was a really powerful moment for me. I had, I didn't have a ton of black superheroes, but then like my parents and my brother. Right. So then you get a black superhero and, and you can see yourself in him. You can see like, Killmonger. I saw myself in him. I saw my parents, my aunts, my uncles, family, friends, throughout this movie, and and stuff like that is it's so powerful for for young people, and it's so powerful for um, people of color in the black community to have these things that, that uplift us and elevate us, and things that we can aspire to. And I think that. I mean, it's it's an amazing opportunity for us as players, but it's also an amazing opportunity for, for the community.
0: No question about it. That's the voice of Kendall McIntosh. He's goalkeeper for the New York Red Bulls. You're listening to New York Sports and Beyond here on 98.7 ESPN. Uh, Kendall, I want to talk and get your thoughts about and tell us more about Black Players for Change and how important it was and how, you know, take me through what that was like to have so many members of coaches and players and staff of MLS come together to essentially have an organization to reach out, to help bring communities together.
2: Yeah. uh, So I'll start off with it. it The group was created in the wake of uh, the death of George Floyd. And, and it was kind of an opportunity for all the black players to have a safe space to to talk about what was going on and what was going on like personally for them, but then also within their community. And it started for me. um, I was previously playing in Portland. One of my teammates called me and was like, Hey, where, where were you on the first call? And, and uh, we got to talk and we talked for about two hours just about Mm -hmm. what was going on and, and how it was affecting us and, and the changes we wanted to see. And that really, like that one conversation made me hooked into not only being a part of the organization, but really trying to participate and, and really trying to bring about the change that, that we had spoke about. And um, I think that it's been an amazing journey so far. I think it's been um, really well-received, but I think it's also been a bit turbulent, you know, and... I think that when creating something like like a like a safe space for black people that hasn't always been um, the most well received thing in our country, and I think that we've received a ton of ton of positivity, but there, there's always going to be um, that kind of gray area with with certain people in our country, but I think that. It's, it's been such an experience and such a good experience and such a, uh, an experience for growth for not only me, but for everybody who's been a part of the group. And I think it's allowed us as black players to, to become a bit closer and, and to continue to look to create the change that, that we want to see.
0: You know it's so fascinating. You say that, Kendall, and that is what is so great about the organization because, as you guys get to talk amongst yourselves and share the different experiences that you have, you find out that you're really that not, not you're not much different from each other, and hopefully that experience that you have in the group, you're able to go out into the communities and it's it it's it's a long process. It's like uh, you know. Uh, going down the field and taking your time and understanding that you can't rush down there and get to the end even though you want to it's going to take you some time but it takes centuries and 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 years of trying to change somebody's culture and mindset because of the way things have been that they're used to you know sometimes change is fearful of some people but if you continue to you know knock it down and continue with the conversation you break it down little by little and i think you guys will find that you're making more inroads than probably you even realize.
2: Yeah, no, I completely agree. And I think the, the diligence aspect of what we're doing with the group is really important. And I think there are times where um, people are getting really excited and really anxious to just put things on the table, get things done. And I think that obviously there's there's moments for that. And sometimes, like, you got to do it right now. Now is the time. Like, mm-hmm. you got to make – make things happen, but I also think that we've done a pretty good job uh, within the group of taking our time and and really kind of seeing the bigger picture. And I think um, as we continue to grow as an organization, it'll be important to kind of balance the two. Like, when is it time for us to to put our foot down? No, we have to make action right now. And when is it time for us to to have some patience? I think that that's uh, a microcosm of Being a person of color within America, but Mm -hmm. I also think that it's a microcosm of just being a a young organization. And I think that as we grow, we'll get better at that, and we'll continue to be able to create change.
0: No question about it. Kendall, how tough was it with COVID nineteen to to interrupt your season and then pick it up again?
2: Yeah. So, so soccer wise, that was that was difficult. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) It was. It was. Obviously, a bit unexpected when they, when they, you're playing games and they're like, ah, oh, go home. We're not going to play this weekend. You're like, oh, ah, yeah, that's okay. Like, it'll get rescheduled, you know, we will be fine. And then they say, okay, we're not going to play next weekend. You start thinking, what's happening here? And then three months later, um, it it becomes a bit more of a trial just physically to stay to stay in shape where you're going to parks, you're running around your apartment complex, um, you're trying to sneak on field whenever you can to get that kind of training feel. And then you're doing Zoom calls, watching film. Um, it's it's difficult, but I think that Red Bull as an organization um, did a really good job of keeping us engaged and did a really good job of keeping us all together and and trying to... Continue the energy um that we would normally have with with within the locker room and, and on the field, trying to continue that um, virtually, which obviously is is a challenge, but I thought that we did a pretty good job of it.
0: Have you become adjusted to this area coming from uh Portland where you were?
2: yeah, I think um my teammates have done an amazing job of. Uh, supporting me and kind of getting me acclimated and including me in a lot of stuff early. So the transition was, was really quick. And then like, obviously Preston Burpo is my goalkeeper coach, I have a really good relationship with him. He's been awesome. Um, I make fear in my spare time. So I've been um, growing some his way and he's had some good reviews. So um, no, the community has, has really welcomed me. The alternated side parking though
0: here. Um, <laughs> new to me.
2: Really it's been killing me, man. It's been killing me.
0: Well it helps you get up early, and, doesn't it?
2: Yeah. I mean it's it's been rough. But that that i say has been has been a struggle, but for the most part everything else has been uh pretty smooth.
0: Well, Kendall, listen, there's an art to it and you'll learn as you come in, maybe sometime later you got to move it at night so that in the morning you're not sitting waiting. So there, there's an art to alternate side and listen, uh, you you'll, you'll you'll defeat that as you have defeated all the challenges to get you to have a career in MLS as a goalkeeper. We thank you very much for joining us this Sunday morning. Keep up the great work. And uh, best of luck and give our regards and, and respect to all the folks who are uh, involved in, uh, you know, the the uh, the Black Players for Change. And that's a great thing. And listen, keep up the great work, my friend. We'll talk soon. Will do. Thanks for having me. That wraps up this edition of New York Sports and Beyond for this Sunday morning. We also thank Jim Johnson from Companions and Courage who joined us earlier in the program. We'll join you later today on The Drive following Dan Grassa and the legendary Greg Buttle. We'll step aside on ESPN New York tonight, this week, to give you all the action of the ALCS and NLCS right here on 98.7 ESPN. But we'll join you right back here next Sunday morning for New York Sports and Beyond. For my incredibly talented producer, Ray Santiago, I'm Larry Hardesty. The conversation continues next on 98.7 ESPN New York.